are back. Welcome into another episode of Chasing 1969, a New York Jets podcast. Today is Thursday, May 24th. Just a big old news dump for you guys today. Everybody's panicking in the, the Jets Twitter world. A lot of drama going on around the organization. So not really anything too much more than going into the, the drama of the past week. Uh, before we get into all of that and before I bring in Teddy, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore Chasing 69. Same as the YouTube. Teddy is at Teddy Hunt Show. I am at Spring Blake with four A's. Mr. Theodore, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, brother. Doing good. I, uh, you know, this, this was the first week. I know we said last week it was slow. This was the first week that it really was like, all right, you know, not much has happened other than just like fans being outraged at everything like always, you know? Yeah. Um. But, but you know, uh, we had some voluntary OTAs started in the past week, right? Yeah, started and yesterday. So, so we've Two gotten ago, some by the time you're listening, some uh, you know, clips. Finally, got the Aaron Rodgers in a helmet picture in a Jets helmet. Um, yeah. so so you know that's been cool. Yeah, OTA started on Tuesday, uh, two days ago by the time you're listening to this, and it took all of about 10 minutes before like everybody started freaking out because Aaron Rodgers was warming up. And quickly after he was off to the sidelines, did not return back to practice. Um, it, you just see that you see Di- it, Diana Rossini is the one who broke it, but she was like, Aaron Rodgers hobbled over to the sideline. Doesn't look like he's going to yeah. be returning to practice. And everybody freaks the fuck out because you're like, it, it literally, it couldn't have been more than like a half hour into the first session of OTAs. And I honestly just, didn't realize that that was day one. Oh, day I one. Was day two. That's so opening, like they, they, yeah. they got through stretches. They're doing their calisthenics. And then it was just like, oh, he's he's off to the sideline. And uh, everybody is just like, how in the fucking world does this happen? Turns out, you know, at the end of the day, it, it seems to be a strained calf. Something that they say is nothing too serious, um, but you know it's just one. Yeah, of those is that what they like, even said? A strain? Yeah. Like I feel like it was literally like nothing. Like Aaron yeah. Rodgers on in his press conference, basically it was like, yeah, I felt something, so I just took a vet day. Like it's fine. Yeah. Um, I guess strained isn't that big of a deal, so hopefully nothing goes down. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's anything serious. But though, it was obviously. definitely before I heard that I had definitely like I was like. Just so classic, you know, like Aaron Rodgers. Hilarious. Day one, two seconds in, there he goes walking off the sideline. It was, it was, that would be the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> He's stretching in OTAs and just like ruptured his oh <laughs> So yeah, that obviously is something, uh, seems very minor, seems like everything will be fine, will be back in shape soon. But it is, you know, look, you know, the Jets for the last few years have been working outside of Joe Flacco with some relatively young spry quarterbacks. And here we are with a, a guy that is in his late thirties. And and so something to always monitor is the health of your old aging quarterback, but seems to be good there. You know, what was funny, even before it came out that Rogers injury wasn't serious. Then the report was, is like Alan Lazard leaves practice for a little bit. And then you're just like, okay, so our quarterback, the guy who was about to save this entire mess that the Jets fell into in the second half of last season and, you know, put them into Super Bowl contention. He's off already, you know, 15 minutes in. And then just a little bit later, our number one signing at wide receiver was also hurt. Turns out he just got hit in the nuts. He came back to practice that day, just, you know, needed a little (laughs) bit of a breather, but like just in the pecking order of just like the Jets are building and building and okay, they've got the quarterback solved. And then within 30 minutes, there's two tweets where you're just like, Oh fuck! What's going on? Yeah. It's just like the classic, the goddamn Jets. Yeah, I I definitely think it is a it's an early lesson to not overreact to anything that's going on now. Yeah. You know, because you'd like to think that even if something kind like did happen, it's far enough out that like they'll be able to get healthy and get right before that. Um, but you know, it's not like it's not like uh, it's not like you worry for no reason. Like obviously. Injuries can happen whenever, but, but yeah, the hilarity of both things coming out back to back, I was just like working, like not paying attention. And I had just gotten both those texts from like you or whoever sent them, you know, and I was just like, God damn it. You know, but, but yeah, they're all good. No need to worry everybody. Um, but yeah, pretty hilarious. Just seeing the fan base. Like we're all like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. And then the fallout of it as well, too. And we're not we don't need to spend any time on this and we don't even have it in our lineup. But like 
the report that came out after the first day of OTAs. It was like, well, Aaron Rodgers wasn't on the field for much, but let me tell you, when Zach Wilson stepped in there, he looked pretty damn good. And oh just my like, god, I forgot about this. You're just like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um. First thing I'm gonna say, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. I am every day. I'm buying back in more on Zach Wilson having a possibility to to gather his career up in some way over the next couple of years. Um, I don't think we should, we should have a lot of Zach Wilson looked really good today tweets because not only is everyone going to be watching and going to be loving to say that and know it's going to drive engagement and whatever, but that's what, that's what like backup quarterbacks do at this time of the year. You know, they ball out against the, against the backup defense. Um, so not surprising there either. Not at all. Um, like we said, I think both of us feel fine in the the process of like a long-term solution, hopefully for Zach Wilson to not be one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, but just like, let's get, let's pump the brakes. Day one of OTAs. It's seven on sevens. Oh They're yeah. Not it's just pads. funny. It's just I mean, like, who tweeted it? Samini? Well, no, sure it wasn't it even Samini. Well, it could have been a Zach lot Wilson of people like Connor Hughes did like one minute video on how good he looked today and just oh, was talking yeah, about his accuracy yeah. and all the stuff. You're just like, all right, come on. We just buried him like months yeah. ago. Uh, do you? I definitely view this time as like it's fun and you can like maybe pick up stuff about like, you know, the offense and like what the Jets are going to do this year and whatever. But like I'm not, I'm not like riding or dying with with any of like the per- on field performances. You know, like hearing like this guy looks good means absolutely nothing to me at this point. Of uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm not putting oh, any stock into that. So you can't because you can't because like we we just said and and it's you know the season that we're in. It's slow new season. And it's like. They yeah. all have jobs like we do this without getting any money. So we know true, in and true with them for it. But like they have a job where they need to be like, how am I going to get the attention of Jets fans on Twitter? Day one of OTAs. Oh, Zach Wilson was sharp. Like they have not to. a bad, not a bad point. Yeah. So that was <laughs> that was very funny. Uh, so, yeah, don't freak out. Aaron Rodgers is all right. Alan Lazard is fine as well, too. Um, two, two visits that the Jets uh, had in, in the last few days as well, too. Um, they met with former Patriots offensive tackle Yanni Kajust, um, third-round pick from 2019, started in five games over the last two seasons, primarily a Kajust. tackle. Kajust. Yes. Is that the last name of the uh, – I think he was like a hard knocks guy who, like, loved his mm. dad. Kajust, a tight end. Does that is that ringing any bells for you? It does. It's not the same. <laughs> I I don't know why that's ringing a bell, but it's it's definitely not the same. Obviously, it's, I, I know it's come, a different guy, but, but right, that, a different that family maybe, too. They come Devin from a different. Uh, yeah, Devin Kajust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the yeah, Browns. Yeah, for the yep, Browns. Yep, yep. Holy shit! Good, good pull there. <laughs> yeah. Wonder if they're brothers. <laughs> no, they're well, they're yeah, they they're cut from a different cloth. Um, Yadni, uh, third round pick, started five games. With the Patriots, I think the big takeaway from this is that the Jets are going to continue to look to bolster depth um, along the offensive line. Something that we touched on last week. It says interior line still needs some adjustments in the depth pieces um, and, and tackle as well. So you can never have enough of those, especially the way that last year came out for the Jets. So um, depth, 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 offensive line. That's what I agree. Is. Um, and then the other one, which I, it's, I, we don't need to talk punters for too long, but this one definitely piqued a little bit of interest. Deserves um, some time. The, the Jets did meet with uh, free agent punter Matt Ariza, um, former sixth round pick out of San Diego State University, um, nicknamed the punt god in college because that boy has a fucking boot on his foot. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, really interesting situation for Ariza. He was drafted um, to play with the Buffalo Bills. I believe it might have been two drafts ago or even just one draft ago now. You know, last year's draft, 2022. And, um, you know, leading up into the preseason, there was a lot of hype about him taking over as the Bills' starting punter. And then charges came forward on him as part of a, a gang rape allegations from back in his days at San Diego State. He was cut immediately. Um, it has then turned in the last year that he was exonerated of all charges, wasn't even at the scene of the crime when the reported crime did supposedly take place. Um, so really, you know, really unfortunate year for him, you know, gets his dreams 
coming true and then just has it stripped away from something that he he was never even part of. So um, he is now back in the fold, able to sign with NFL teams. And this is the the first signing of probably what's going to be many visits um, that, that he will take. Um, and look, he's young. He's a great fucking punter, like a, a great one. And something to keep an eye on if you're the Jets. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, first thing, it obviously sucks what, what went down with him and getting falsely accused and everything. Got to be tough to go through, but happy to see him kind of getting that opportunity again, as opposed to just being kicked to the curb forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it is funny you preface this this like with with you know it's like oh we're not going to spend too much time talking about put- punters, but it's like Jets fans have been talking about our freaking punter Braden Man for two years because sucked. everyone hated Braden Man so much. Yeah, um, which is pretty funny. So I mean I'm in on it. I mean the guy was good enough to be a six round pick. You know, he's he's so legitimately he's legitimately like could step like he was and you don't want to say like because obviously he never played in any games but it apparently has the the leg of somebody that would be like one of the best players in the league like like you know the the bills but yeah you, you go you go um, out of your way to draft specialty he's had some viral videos right yeah 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 he's he's got yeah. an unreal leg um and and you know the jets did bring in thomas morstead old old head from uh, new orleans so you know they do technically have a punter that isn't braden man that should be a step in the right direction he's but who i'm using Hunt- in madden right now morstead is like what 38 39 doesn't hurt to have some healthy competition in there as well too um, what what madden are you playing on these days 23 i always they always sucker me in every year you're a because- sucker you're a sucker. I, I I like the I like the the updated rosters. And I mean I know you can like download them, but I like the real ones. And 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 you know, whatever. We don't have to get into Madden. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't want to have a Madden talk right now about how they suck. I, I haven't bought a Madden. Um... I just like like people have said the same thing about Madden for like you know, probably since like twenty fifteen that it's just the same every year, which like it is, but it is you know I'm Right, yeah, for sure. But like, I'll pay sixty dollars to fork it over and and play it every year. You know, I like to play as the Jets. Uh, that's fair. I haven't bought it. I want to say when was Rob Gronkowski on the cover? Was that nineteen? I have no I, clue, honestly. I probably haven't bought it. I since definitely then. went through a stretch where I didn't buy it, but then I just bought it the last two years, I think. Yeah. Well, um, so maybe when well, you yeah, buy Thomas Madden twenty four. Maybe when you buy Madden 24, it'll be, yeah, um, instead. So, um, you know, certainly would help alleviate the the punting woes. I think it would be a nice way to go in and get, hey, get one up on the Bills too. Obviously, it wasn't the Bills' fault that they had to cut him. Like, I think it was, you know, any any accusation like that, you're going to get cut. Um, But... Hey, yeah. could be could be could be a huge signing for them at the end of the day if they're able to get it done. I think he is going to meet with a few other teams, but it's good to know that the Jets were able to open up that door first and make the first reach out. I think that that would that goes a long way, I would say, in somebody in his situation where he was almost you know close to being blackballed from Getting, the league to be the chance, first huh? team to be yeah. like, hey, sorry you went through that. Like, come in, let's take a look, let's talk things through. So that's really cool. Yeah, totally um, agree. Only other thing before we get into our two bigger topics, um, the Jets were one of the teams that vetoed the Thursday night football flex scheduling that was passed regardless. I just I saw that and I was like, that's you know, I, I I'm surprised it got. Passed. I wonder why, why they vetoed or why it got passed. Or I get I guess I understand why teams would veto it. I mean, that I can sucks. imagine preparing for a sun. Actually, yeah, I'm one. But don't they have to let them know a week before? Isn't that the rule? Uh, yes. I think there's something implemented like but that. that still but, messes up your schedule. You know, it does suck, time. especially like, like football coaches are so, you know, like regimented in what they do. And, and, and I bet you, I would be willing to say that like every coach hates playing, thir- you know, probably like 90% of the NFL in general, like hates playing on Thursday nights. Um, You know, you have no time to really prepare. You have no time to like actually practice because you're still recovering from your game on Sunday. Um, So yeah, the whole flexing thing has been wild, but um, I don't know. 
they've been doing a lot of <laughs> funky stuff with this well, schedule, dude, so I, I feel like I just like like go for it, you know, like like you, you yeah. guys. I feel like all the restrictions they're just like taking away, mm-hmm. like you know the TV deals and the primetime games and like all that. So it's kind of like it makes sense. Um, and there, you know, fans complain when it, when there's a dud that's like you know you're in week 15 and all of a sudden it's like some shitty Thursday night game. Yeah, I'm kind of. The, I'm kind of on the side of like a football game is a football game and you kind of have to deal with it. But um, I like, I get it from both perspectives, I guess. Yeah. I, I personally like, yeah, I've sat through and watched a lot of dud Thursday night games as we all have, but I almost like in the sense, especially if it's not a team that I'm rooting for, like, I don't mind if like I turn it off in the third quarter, like, yeah. trust me, I'm going to watch as much great. football as possible, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah. I don't hate it and I just think it's it it has such a negative impact on the teams than having to adjust and say say you get cuz they they're going to do flexing late in the season too. So say you're a team that's like say you're a surprise team. Say it, it's not going to happen but the Colts flex to Thursday. The Colts all of a sudden they're making a push for the AFC South title after no one expected them and now they're a, they're a team that you want to watch and then all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, now we have this extra short rest game. We already had our Thursday night, but now we have this extra one thrown in there as well too." I think that just it's messy. The The only thing that I hate more that I saw is that they're fucking putting every fair catch to the 25, like college football. I yeah hate it. Okay. Yeah. So, so the rule is that when you fair catch a kickoff inside the 25, it goes to the 25. Now I thought this was already a rule. Is That's this a college. college rule? That's a college rule. Okay, yeah, because I just thought this was a rule. I don't hate this at all. I think that's you I don't? I honestly think that's been coming. No, not at all. See, I um, hate it because I think it's a good rule. I think it's good strategy by a punter or for a kicker then to know like, oh, well, if they can just touch back and take it to the 25, like I'm gonna put a little bit less on this and pin him in the five. It's like it takes the whole strategy of a kicker out. Like, why are we doing the kick out kickoffs if we're just gonna put him at the 25? Well, that hasn't, that's been the argument, like. The argument is a safety thing. It's like, oh, well, we want to have less kickoffs. No, 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 right. You know, there's injuries. But then why are we doing kickoffs? Just put everything at the fucking 25. Let's get rid of kickers. I don't think it will be. Yeah, I guess I understand where you're coming from, but I don't think it will be like, it's more of a thing where like, like, like I'll paint a picture for you. If you called you know, kick return left and you're going to go to the left and the kicker does the kind of a short kick to like the, the second to last line on the right side, all of a sudden you have like a fullback or like a linebacker or whoever's kind of playing that blocking role is going to have the ball and the ability to like fair catch it. Then that person can just, you know, like that's kind of how it was used when I, like when we did it. And I guess the reason I, think about it is because i like was familiar with the rule right, in, college. It's been in college yeah so i understand like the per- i guess it just depends on how much these teams utilize it because if you do kick it short and the kick returner is like i'm just not going to return it then that's one thing but i think that these in my i mean tell me if you disagree to me kickoff return like a lot of times they just don't want to put the ball in the hands like they're just like just kick it out of the end zone and we'll give them the touchback anyway so mm-hmm. I don't think it's like a disadvantage for the kicking off team. Um, I just I would I rem- still expect the guy to re- like return the ball if he could a decent amount. I just remember at times that if you were like, especially if you were in like a windy outdoor stadium, you could really loft it. And if you knew that you could put it down at the five, like you weren't letting them get to the 25, like yeah. they weren't even getting close to it. So I, I think it just takes a lot of strategy on the kickers aspect out of it. And the special teams coaches are fucking pissed off about it like that's the one thing is that like every special teams coach has just been Andy Reid came out against it today when we're recording this and was very vocal against it I I don't know I just I think I think it takes a little like their their positions are so meaningless already at this point uh for a kicker you know and obviously they have the extra points and they have the field goals and all that but like to then minimize even the kickoffs it's like well just put the ball down at the 25 just put it down and say all right go ahead Honestly, I love what the XFL does. Um, where I you love have to it. Hit it between the 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 you know goal line and the twenty five, and then the the team start on like the thirty five, like right down in that end zone. I think, I think that so would cool. be the move. I think the it's thing awesome. with this rule change, and, and like I feel like people are still frustrated 
disappointed with this definitely, but um, like the rule change, it's doing the same thing that they did when they moved it up 10 yards further, you know, like their thought is, okay, we need to make this safer. Like let's make the kick returns happen less, which, yeah. no, you know, that's, that's the whole thing that out loud. I don't think that's really the, the proper approach. Again, I think what the XFL does is probably better. So, yes. So, you know, Maybe I didn't think about it enough. Maybe I do hate the rule. Maybe I'll change think, my take. <laughs> do you think there's any part of the NFL that like is too arrogant to adapt some of the stuff that the XFL does? Do you yes, think they just, yes, which yes, is like so definitely. stupid. It's just but, like, understand what people like. Yeah. And people I, I respond think to some of that stuff really well. I think that it is a time thing. Like, I think like, the NFL isn't going to do anything drastic after, you know, one year of the XFL doing this rule. But yep. if three, four, five years down the road, you know, the, the it's kind of like the, the, uh, um, this is a fun little league discussion. We're having league rules. I love this, this, that yeah. time. <laughs> the, the other like kind of report that came out, which has come out every year for like six years is that there's not going to be a vote on the onside kick, which the proposed onside kick rule from the Eagles is to do a fourth and 20 um, as an onside kick attempt. And if you get it, you get the ball, which is what they do in the XFL. I think it might yep. be fourth and 25, but yeah. that's what they do. And to me, like that is such like a surreal, like nonsense thing. You know, it's like, well, why would you do that? You know, like, like the football purist in me comes out. But with that being said, it's like, if people like it and it adds excitement and, and you, you are seeing a proof of concept, I, I think, like the NFL will be reluctant, but having the XFL there to try it is ultimately beneficial because they'll have like, oh, this actually did work. All right, we'll do it. As opposed to like, we'll try this and people will look at us as the asshole if it doesn't work. Yep. You know, I, I love that the fourth we're, we're all we're, league rules, like you said, slow news season. So I, I'm ready to have this talk. Like, I love the fourth and 20, fourth and 25 conversion because like the the percentage chances for onside kicks, the way that they've changed the the kickoff rules and like how close up you can be and how you can do the formations, like all of that has changed where it's almost near impossible. Like you have to get yeah. so fucking lucky to recover an onside kick. And granted, it still happens and it's very exhilarating when you see it, but that's such a pivotal moment for a team. If you can go and then be like, all right, well, you're going to give us a, also a very impossible task, like a fourth and 25. Yeah is also very impossible, but it's a little bit more exciting to watch than I'm going to see how this kicker just tries to bounce this thing luckily for 10 yards so that another guy can run up and get it before the other team does. I just, yeah. I think it's, like you said, I, the XFL does things that, that make me, um, you know, want to see that in the NFL, because if you get the heightened level of talent doing that as well too, um, I think it just, I think it makes the game fun. Like you have to change everything. The MLB just made the the biggest change yeah. that is going to save, like the, the games are so much more easier. To, like I love watching baseball this season just because they just sped up the game. They understood that it was tough to watch, you know, especially if you're at the stadium or you're at home, like it's, it's, bo it was boring. Um, You've added, you know, you get rid of the shift, you know, the runs, the batting average is all up. You speed up the pitchers, the game's over in like 40 fewer minutes it's like it's okay to go ahead and make some changes sometimes. So hopefully this is something that the NFL can uh, in a few years implicate. What I do like about the rule change with the fair catch in the 25-yard line is it's kind of like the pass interference stuff they did a few years ago. It is a temporary one-year trial, and they'll right, vote like next offseason if, if they hate it. They'll yeah. vote again next offseason. And, and I guess that's where my thought about it comes in is like I don't think – I don't think things will happen enough that anyone's really going to care in the moment. Like, and to me, like the fact that it's already a rule in college, like it's like, all right, well, are we really going to be that mad about it? If it was already a rule in college and college has been, you know, successful. Um, but I forgot where I was going, but yeah, that's a good point that it's a temporary rule that they can just take away if it sucks. I had something else I was going to say, but I'm struggling to remember it. That's okay. We can move yeah. along now. Yeah. Yes. So we Teddy, can. fun, Teddy, fun the, league rules talk though. Teddy, the jets are forcing everybody in their organization to do things against their will. That's, that's where we're, yeah. that's where we're getting into the, the jets training today. staff is evil. Yeah, that's the story. <laughs> we um, hate them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> let's, let's save the big boy for the end. Uh, this one, 
happened a little bit while ago and Ty Johnson came out on an Instagram video more recently explaining the situation. He was extended in the offseason, given a one-year extension, was then cut a month following. Um, he took to Instagram afterward and was explaining that he had torn his pectoral muscle while um, working out at home. Um, and, and to, I guess, just in his personal accounts, it, quote, he, he told the Jets about the injury. Um, he was like, hey, I was working out. The torn pec happened. He went and saw the team doctor. Team doctor said he needed to get it fixed. Flew out the next day to get surgery. Came back happy that he got it done. Um, he said that he didn't want to get it done. Um, and then that following Wednesday, he was cut from the team. Um, so he is kind of throwing a little bit of shade at the Jets organization for how it all went through. Um, Teddy, when you first saw this out and kind of just thinking through the process of it, where does it take your mind to? Well, you know, I mean, the first thing that you think of, like, obviously you, you, you feel for the player when like, when they're saying that, you know, a team handled them poorly. Um, and the first thing I thought of was the, the, Kalecheo Semele stuff that happened um, in 2019. So I guess that was four years ago now. Um, but the Jets have had, you know, a similar kind of training staff around the whole time. Um, I don't know. I, I you know, it's, it's one of those things where it, if you want to take his word for it, like, like maybe some stuff went down. But to me, when I read it, it's like, okay, I got injured as a fourth string running back. And the team told me to get surgery. So I did. And then they cut me. But it's like, is that all that shocking that they cut you? You know, like they're just going to sit on you for a year and pay you, you know, like, like to me, it's just kind of like, the, you know, this is a, a tough business, like, and it's not the most player friendly, employee friendly business for anyone, for, for coaches and players, you know, um, people can get fired just like that and, and cut just like that. So, you know, it sucks for Ty Johnson as a person, but like, it doesn't really surprise me. And I don't really like hold anything against the jets. When I read this, I don't know either. The thing that gets me the most is him saying that he didn't want to get the surgery. I, I don't know. Do, Ted, I, I do. Does a torn pack just heal over time? I don't know. I would assume not. I would, I would think a torn pack would hurt a fucking lot. And, and it's like, I'd yeah, that sure. You don't want to get a surgery, like getting surgery sucks, but yeah. it's like, you probably had to to play football. Well, and and that's the thing. So if the Jets had just cut him without him getting the surgery, he then won. If he wanted to get the surgery, he would have had to get that done for himself on his own. And then two, if he didn't get the surgery, but they just cut him and he went to sign with another team, he would have failed his physical because he had a torn pec. So I just, yeah. I, I, un, I agree with you that the NFL, it's never been a clean business. There's uh, there's not shady stuff. I don't want to call it, but there's stuff that just is like tough luck. Like, I'm sorry. Like you, yeah. you got the injury outside of the organization and the organization probably thought they were doing you a solid by getting you the surgery done because they, that sucks. And I think they went out of their way to make sure that the, that he was taken care of. If you can say it was against his, you know, he didn't want to, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I don't understand the, the outcry because I'm seeing all these people in the replies and, uh, you know, Dove Kleiman, whoever that fake Twitter account is, he puts out the video and everybody in the replies is like, Oh, this is bad on the jets. I hope he gets a fresh start soon. It's like, I, I truly don't understand. Like he just seems like he is another player that is right now just, complaining for the attention of it or just complaining to a complain. And I think the jets probably did almost everything right. Like what were we, were we going to let him get the surgery draft another running back? He comes into camp as the fifth string in, in July and maybe he's healthier by then. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily happening. He would have been cut. It, it, what's the difference now between being cut now right after the injury or being cut in July right. when you're just competing with, with, you know, Izzy, the, our, our fifth round draft pick. Yeah, it, it's it's an odd thing. I also think like like when you look back to the um Kaleche Osemele stuff, like that story was Osemele said he was injured and the, and supposedly the Jets were like, "No, you're not injured like that bad." He said he wanted to have a surgery. They didn't approve it. Um so then that's where like huh. the stuff went down. But so, so this weird. is like the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> and to, but to me, it's just like, it's like, why wouldn't they want you to get the surgery? Like, obviously they would want you to get the surgery, you know, like they're not going to just be like, yeah, it sucks. 
you know so i i mean you know we don't know everything that happened but to me it's just like what are we complaining about ty to me it's a guy that is injured right now and is probably really bummed out that he's not with an organization and it was an injury caused away from the facilities so now he's like rehabbing that on his own now that he's not with the team and you know he's probably not going to be fully healthy until the season so then if he wants to make a roster it's going to be difficult for him after that point once the rosters are finalized so he's probably you know realizing that you know un- until teams during the regular season lose a few guys you know it's it's going to be a while until he signed back with a team um which sucks it yeah. does but he did get injured that's the nfl i i, I mean I to just... me like a torn peck he would be out for the season so why would the jets be paying someone to be out for the season. You know what I mean? Like who's going to be a, like, why? Like they need bodies. They need guys, especially a running back, you know? So it's just like, like you know, sucks for you. But I, especially this one, like the assembly one, you could at least say like, that's weird. Maybe they mishandled that. Yeah. In no way could I look at this situation, like with the information I have and say that like, you know, the Jets mis- clearly mishandled the situation. I think they did um, everything right. But yeah, it's one of those things where this this uh, this Jets training staff is getting a lot of heat recently, you know, and then it's it's thing after thing and they're planting seeds in our mind, you know, so hopefully it's not a not anything. But our boy Makai Beckton has something else to say about it. Yeah, you know, and I feel like Makai almost great transition there, Theodore. Great work. Uh, Makai, I, you know, it almost seemed like he was putting it more on the coaching staff, which maybe he is taking some heat off the training staff and putting more emphasis on the coaching staff. But to get into, I guess, kind of the biggest news of this past week is Makai went on the record um, saying that because he was forced to play right tackle last year, that's what caused his season-ending injury to his uh, to his knee. Um, quote from Makai, uh, it made no sense to put me at right tackle. I hurt my right knee. That's going to be the knee that I put the most pressure on while backpedaling in pass protection. I explained it to the coaches, but no one cared. Um, He then went on to say, I got forced to play a position I don't play. And then I was pretty much telling them I wasn't feeling good the whole time throughout camp. And I was told I shouldn't be complaining. He said, quote, go out there and do it. I was limping throughout the whole practice. I just took a step and my knee buckled and I got hurt and had to get reconstructive surgery. So he puts that out all there. Um, And this is a, a long history of Makai doing a woe is me type story um you know uh, going through all of the the weight issues in the seasons before and you know his first injury as well too um robert sala comes out asked about the situation reiterated that the best five starters are going to be on the line and that beckton needs to go and earn the left tackle position he also said about makai wanting to play left tackle he said dwayne brown has something to say about that so Salah is being very tough love on this situation. But before we get to his reaction and the whole thing, Teddy, when you hear Makai say this after we were finally hoping we were getting in a good spot with him, because on social media, he's posting the the weight loss. He looks fantastic. But then you see this quote, like, where does this take you with him as a, a member of the Jets organization? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's always frustrating when these guys like are going out publicly to deal with this stuff. Yep. You know, like, like it, it's always just one of those things. It's like, all right, yeah, go like bitch about it on the podcast or whatever. But then it's like, you got to go in and, and see those guys the next day, you know, like you, the very like, next day, like you, you, you really need to have that conversation if you want things to go your way. Um, when I read this, I do, you know, like, like I, I don't fully think, like, I think Makai, you know, he has this history of exactly what you said, the woe is me. And so that puts a bad taste in, in your mouth about the whole thing. Like, there is some aspect of, like, if Makai was hurt and shouldn't have been healthy enough to be playing, like, that could have been a misstep by the training staff or the coaches or whatever. That's another sure. interesting thing where, like, I don't understand why he's blaming the coaches because, to me, like, it should be on the training staff to tell him whether he's good to play or not or him. Um, but cause like, I do remember the day he got injured. I remember seeing the video of him limping at practice, you know, earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that's not true. Um, so that's the only part where I'm like, maybe something's going on, but to me, like complaining about where you play and what position you're playing, especially as an offensive lineman, especially on this offensive line, 
where so many guys have shuffled around and, and, you know, done an extremely great job doing it. It's just so frustrating to me to see him like be so upset about not getting to play left tackle. Um, and you know, the guy wants to make money. He wants to, to, to make the most money he can in his career. He's going to eventually have to get another contract and being viewed as a left tackle would help him there. But it's just like, dude, if you want to just go out there and be the best player you can be and win a championship, like you can't be bitching about whether on your, you're on the right or left side. Um, the other thing is like his reasoning of like, oh, my right knee was hurt. Okay. This is and where so I needed to the ask you on and put pressure on. But it's like if, if your right knee's hurt enough that you can't play right tackle, then it's hurt enough that you can't play left <laughs> yeah, tackle. It's like that's not this. you can't be just like, oh, well, I don't need that knee on this side. Like like that's not how it works. Um, so that part seems really dumb to me. Um, so, yeah, Makai Becton is, you know, his time with the Jets is coming to an end. It, it's the Elijah Moore situation. It's the Jamal Adams situation. Like too much shit has been going on to me that like Makai Beckton is going to be on this team pass next year. Totally agree. I think that it, cause I was trying to figure this out too. Cause like, yes, backpedaling as a right tackle, like you are going to be, I guess, putting a little bit more pressure, especially when you've got the edges that are going to be leaning to go around that side as well mm-hmm. too. You still need two healthy knees to play anywhere on the yeah, offensive 100%, 100%. And so it's just like, this is a situation, like you said, it's exactly what it is. He is complaining about he's not happy that the fact that he was drafted to be a, the, the Jets left tackle. He got hurt. They brought in a vet option. He got hurt again. The vet option did just fine at left tackle. And the, the vet option is back again for next season. There is a pattern now. And, and there's a few guys that have done this. Um, you know, the first name that pops in my head is Orlando Brown Jr., who then went, you know, he was frustrated. He wanted to play left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. Ronnie Stanley was the left tackle. So what he did is he played his ass off at right tackle. The Chiefs went and traded for him, and they paid him a fuck ton of money to play left tackle. Like, that stuff happens. If you earn your yeah. spot and you're like, if you're a, one of the best right tackles and you want to play left, a team is going to trade for you and pay you left tackle money. So if that's his whole situation, like, to me, I agree. With the drama that it's caused, and it's it's not, this isn't his first time causing problems or causing a stir here with the Jets, whether it be on social media or in the locker room. Like, he has not been you know, the role model guy that I think we all look up to Elijah Vera Tucker as too, which is like the most frustrating part to me. It's like, look at this guy. He has gone in. He played yeah. four different positions last year. He also lost his season ending surgery. He got his position moved from left guard to right guard after he was an all pro at left guard. I don't hear a fucking peep to out right of tackle. Elijah Vera Tucker. You don't hear a fucking word. And you know, he's going to be right back at right guard next year because they signed Lakin Tomlinson and that's just what it is. So it's like, just take a look at the guy next to you. You know, a guy that you also were taken in the first round, invested heavily in, you have gone and caused so many problems for this organization, part of which also by your behaviors outside of the season where you did get yourself into a non-football shape. You did put on too much weight there and it took a while back. And hey, that might have also impacted your second injury because your body wasn't able to really withhold what you, you were hoping it could. And meanwhile, you've got a guy right next to you that, like like I said, Elijah Vera Tucker is, like, one of the leaders on this team. And he sets also, a prime example. have some respect for, for Dwayne Brown. You know, it's like the dude is, has, is a vet in this league who just had a great season playing every game. You know, it's just like, you know, whatever. It's I, just you talk about, um, like, Aaron Rodgers made the point in his press conference, which I think we'll touch on in a little here, but he was talking about um, you know, how the jets have just truly gone out of their way to get like high character guys, you know? And I think that's true. And I think you can see that, but like, and, and I don't even mean to like, like tuck so much down on Makai Becton, but it's like, it's just issue after issue that you're causing, you know? Um, and, and it's, and it's frustrating. And I do want to push back on one thing you said, where you said, you know, Sal has been pretty hard on him, which I think is fair. You know, he did say this stuff and, and he's saying he's got to go out and learn, earn left tackle. But he also like when they asked him about these comments, he very much was like, I'm not going to talk about the negative stuff. Like, I think Makai's done a really great job. I think he's been doing everything right. I think he's been, you know what I mean? And, and like, sure, maybe he said that about guys in the past, but like he hasn't been that. You know, when they asked him about Makai last year, 
he would say things like, you know, Makai's got some work to do. He's got a ways to go. You know what I mean? Whereas now it's like, Hey, he's doing everything right. And he's looking great and he's attacking. Um, so hopefully it's the kind of thing that we can like get over and get through at least for this season. But you do think about like, like last year, everyone was wondering who's going to play left tackle. Who's going to play right tackle Dwayne Brown or Makai Becton. It was Dwayne Brown, the guy who had just been an all pro as a left tackle or whatever, and had, you know, played that his whole career. He was the guy that they chose. So to me, it's like, what are the odds that now, you know, they choose someone else like magically change their mind. Yeah. Yeah. Unless Makai is like, holy shit. But to me, it goes back to like, put the best five out there. Like I would assume, especially if Makai, you know, is a little more spry, I would assume he's a little bit easier to move back and forth as opposed to like the old man who's been playing one position his entire career, you know? So it's just one of those things where like, it's like you're complaining, but it's like, that's really not going to get you anywhere. Uh, he's done nothing to prove that he deserves the right to just be like, I'm the Jets starting left tackle. Yeah. Whereas Dwayne Brown for the days come in, he hasn't caused a stir. He's played the position. He got banged up for a little bit, but he's, you know, he's been a guy that throughout his entire career, like you said, has always been available there for them at that position, whether it was the Seahawks, or I believe it might've been the Texans before. Was it always the Seahawks? I can't remember, but regardless, like back you haven't, you haven't earned that right yet. Like yeah. it'd be one thing you played in like six games. It'd be one thing if like, yeah, two years in a row, he was just fantastic and he was always in shape and he wasn't causing a stir and Oh, maybe he just had one unlucky injury. And then you're like, then you, I'd feel bad for him maybe in that situation. But like when you've continuously like put yourself in these situations and obviously the injuries, you can't always blame a guy for, but I think if you take a little bit better care of your body, you're in a better position to not be injured all the time. So I just don't think he's done any good for himself. And I would say that if he does truly want to be a left tackle in the NFL and he wants to get paid, which I think this is what it's all centered around. It's not a pride thing. It's not a health thing. I think he looks at and he sees left tackles make really damn good money. Just follow the pattern of these last few guys. Be an all pro right tackle next year on a really important team. Next offseason, say, hey, I want to be left tackle. Maybe by then Dwayne Brown has decided to hang it up. Maybe he wants to retire, and the Jets allow you to be the left tackle. If you want to do it elsewhere, someone will go and pay you for it, but no one's going to pay you left tackle money based on what they've seen through these first three seasons. Like, There's no there's right. no track record you that you're deserving you of. Prove it. Yourself. You, you have to yeah. prove it. Just just very frustrating because I thought we were at this point where we were like so excited for Makai, like the Twitter pictures and the workouts. Yep, I was like, man, yep. this guy's got it. And then he comes out with this and you're just like, why are we why are we doing this? I know. Yeah. And, and and again, like the only thing that gives me pause about it is like the idea that the Jets would have been like, you're not actually hurt. You know, like you're fine, which to me would be pretty surprising. Um for a team to do that like i would imagine like if you're hurt at practice like go over to the trainers and see, you know what i mean during like, during like, that me, specific like, day hey, coach, you like, mean do you mind if i yeah or, yeah the day of the injury in general it's like I if, thought... if you're like if you're like yo this doesn't feel right like i don't know i don't know i mean who knows maybe they maybe they told him hey we want you to play but again it's like you shouldn't be having those conversations with your coaches. If anything, you should be having them with the medical staff and the coaches should have no control over, you know, like, are you injured? Are you playing or you not? Whatever. I feel like all I remember from last off season leading up is like, they were going to be patient with Makai and they were going to take their time until they thought he was fully ready. So yeah. like to me, if they're preaching that for months and they're slow playing a guy who is one out of shape and two coming off an injury, I don't think they're going to tell him to keep practicing through an injury. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. They invested a, the number 13 or was it 11? It was a top 15 pick 11, in yeah. him. So it's like they invested a, a high pick in you and they value you and you're coming off an injury and yeah, you were not, you weren't in shape, but they're not going to tell you to go out there and keep practicing and to just suck it up. Are you kidding me? They, they all off season preached to just that they were yeah. gonna be patient with Makai. So I don't know that part, like maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're just saying that to, to keep a positive face. And at the end of the day, maybe there was a little bit of just like, oh, you're fine. Keep going in there. But I just, I wouldn't expect that at all. Yeah. And I mean, regardless, it's like deal with it inside the building, you know, and, and, and if you want to deal with it outside the building, like that's fine. But to me, it's just like, you're burning bridges. Like you're, you're, no one's, you're not going to make it easy 
for the people in the Jets organization to be like, hey, we really want you. We want to pay you, you know, if you're just constantly like doing things like this. So it's just, you know, it's a little frustrating to see. And like I said at the top of this, like, and, and I think you agreed, like, it's just to me, it's just like the, it, there's too many straws on the camel's back. Like it, it just doesn't seem like the type of thing where, I mean, if he goes out and has like a crazy year and things go well, like maybe, but, but what are even the odds that Makai wants to resign, you know, after all the drama that's happened, you know? No. So to me, it's like, this is a guy who's probably going to walk, but so just, we'll have so, to wait so and just see. like suck it up, play right tackle be great and go earn yeah, your value please, dude. like that would be awesome best case scenario for both yeah. both sides of this is to just go be great they'll get something good for you in return i think the the chiefs gave the ravens a first round pick and then he got paid left tackle money to go play for the Jesus chiefs Christ. it's just like go do it you know if, if you're worth yeah. it someone is going to come give you that but you're right i i don't see this playing on too much longer i, I think even Salah's quotes this time around feel like his press conference this week in relation to Becton's comments. Like, I think he's pretty much just like, I'm fucking sick and tired of this bullshit. Yeah. He's pulling because to just say like, Makai wants to play left tackle. And his response is Dwayne Brown has something to say about that. And he tells right. him, go earn the left tackle. It's like, he's, he's making it very clear. Like if you want it, you're, we're going to need to actually fucking see it. And then two, we've got yeah. another guy here who has earned it. Um, we're not giving it to you no hmm yeah it well, sucks it does it, it's the makai beckton experience has been a tough one because it really has been like every year of just being really excited and hopeful for like this guy to get back on his feet and you know i think a lot of jets fans through a lot of this have really tried to side with Makai, you know, like I yeah. was always a guy who, who wants to root for him and, and, you know, doesn't want people to like be hating on him. And, and, and I want to see him go out there and like succeed and all that, all that stuff, you know? Um, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm a Jets fan. Like, how much am I going to like you when it's like all you do is talk shit about the Jets? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I know you're on the Jets, but it's like, and I get it. Like, I'm with you. Like, and and sometimes the coaches and the, the training staffs, like whatever, but it's like, come on, bro. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to support the Jets and you're not doing that right now. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunate, tough, 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 tough. Oh, well, did the Jets force you yeah. to do anything this week, Teddy? Did they force me to do anything? Yeah, they, no, they forced Ty no. Johnson. They forced Makai. I didn't know if they forced you to do anything. Yeah, they forced me to. They actually came to my house and just broke my leg. And we're like, that sucks for you. <laughs> you can't be. A, you can't be a Jets fan anymore. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> no, uh, uh, the only other thing I wanted to talk about today was um, was Aaron Rodgers opening. Oh yeah, our first day of OTA press over. conference. Um. Just because there was a few things, especially at the very beginning, that I thought were just like a little illuminating um, and and maybe not surprising, but just kind of new for the Jets organization. Um, and we had talked about it last week, right, where this idea that like Aaron Rodgers isn't really viewed as as like less than than the coaching staff or anything like that, where to me, this is, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Robert Sala and joe douglas as the quarterback coach gm kind of like three-headed monster you know of like these mm -hmm. are the guys that are kind of leading this team um but so he basically pretty early on in his press conference was you know they were asking about Watley, you know how does it feel to be back at otas you haven't been here you know you haven't done otas in so long the voluntary portions and I have a couple quotes. He was like, he was like, oh, well, I wanted to be here to speak up in meetings. Um, he specifically said uh, Hackett gives him a lot of a lot of latitude to speak up and and say things and point things out in meetings. So I think like like right away, his his comments were more so like I want to be here to kind of help coach these guys up on the system um, as opposed to like, I want to be here to, to, you know, be a player and learn the system. And he even said, he's like, when it's a system you've been running for so long, the off season is more for the young guys to kind of learn it, learn the playbook. But 
he wants to be there to kind of make sure that everything gets implemented pretty smoothly. Um, a, a good, good um, quote he had, he said, it's, it's, it's good to kind of bridge the gap between the gray area between real football and the paper football. So, you know, what the coach is saying up on the screen compared to how does it actually go down um, out on the, out on the field. But I did just think that was interesting. You know, it's not unexpected. Like Aaron Rodgers is this hall of fame quarterback who you expect to be very verbal and very involved and, and, you know, a leader in the room. Um, but it does show you that, you know, this is really an approach where you can imagine a meeting room where it's Nathaniel Hackett. And then right there, it's Aaron Rodgers also coaching up, you know, this team and this young group, which to me, I think is awesome. And the fact that you have a coaching staff that's willing to accept that kind of stuff from Rodgers, it's kind of like that to me is a recipe for success, you know, for him to be comfortable to make sure everyone is really on the same page at, at all times. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, that was pretty exciting stuff to hear, but also just, just like a little like, whoa, he does have a lot of power. Um, Look, you're dealing with a top five quarterback of all time. Like this guy knows football. He is one of the greatest to play. I think I saw Mahomes listed as top five quarterbacks of all time, and I believe he had Rodgers at number three behind Brady and Manning. And and, and wow. you're dealing with a guy that chose to come to the New York Jets because he looked at the landscape of the league and said, this is the spot where I can potentially get another Lombardi trophy. And he's not going to do that and then just take it lightly. In Green Bay, sure, he didn't go to OTAs for the last stretch there. But like you said, when the system is the same for everybody, he knows what he's getting himself into. Obviously, coaches change, coordinators change. But if everything is going to be mostly the same in his realm, the new guys need to learn it. But now he's going into a whole organization with a bunch of guys that he's never worked with before, a bunch of young guys as well, too. It's not just Garrett Wilson in his second year, but it's Brees Hall in his second year. It's a young offensive line outside of Dwayne Brown. It is, um, you know, a young wide receiver in Mecole Hartman as well, too. Lazard is there, which also helps off the the West, the West, the rest of the wide receiver room. So look, he's 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 taking it seriously, and he understands that. Like, you know, he said that in in the Take Flight video. It's like he came here because he saw as this uh, this as an organization and a place that he could go and and further cement his already great legacy with hopefully another Lombardi Trophy. And so to me. I love it. I think it's great that he's at OTAs and, and it's just another, you know, it's just a good reminder that it's like a guy that is legitimately taking this seriously because he knows his career doesn't have much left in the tank and he wants to get the most out of it. And he doesn't want to go through the, the, the growing pains. Like if he st right. skipped OTAs, September would have sucked. September wouldn't have been as fun. They would have been figuring it out on the fly. And he's like, no, I want to hit the ground running now here on May 22nd when OTAs start, May 23rd when OTAs start. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate, you know, the focus and the idea of like, you know, the expectations are this team wants to win a championship, you know, and to hear um, on day one of OTAs, like the, the offense was kind of getting beat up and Rogers, you know, pulled everyone aside and kind of just like, like talked to the team and hyped up the team and, and kind of refocused everybody. And in his words, he was, um, you know, making sure that everyone was very intentional with what they do and ensuring that, you know, everything that they're doing, they're actually being present and improving as opposed to just going through the motions. And to me, it's just like that, that collaboration is the best way to, to improve, to, you know, be constantly thinking about that and to have a guy like Aaron Rodgers to be there reminding you, like, Hey, we need to go do this. Um, I've just absolutely loved his like demeanor and, um, you know, enthusiasm because it really is like, I'm here to try to win. So I'm going to do everything I can for this team to be the best it can be, you know, which is like, what a fuck. It's refreshing. Right. Yeah. Right? You know, I, see, it's funny because I hear all of this stuff and I'm like, well, yeah, that's what, that's what teams that are legitimate contenders all doing. But I also understand right. that these last two eras that you guys have gone through most specifically, the Zach Wilson eras and the Sam Darnold eras, it's not like the vet voice is coming in here and taking charge. It's like, you almost right. have to kind of push up the young quarterback and make him feel good where it's now it's like, no, you've got a guy in year 18, 19, who is coming in and saying, Hey, Let's all get on the same page here in fucking yeah. May. So that way when we hit the field September 11th against the Bills, we're ready to fucking go. Yeah. And I also just think like even Rodgers has 
not enjoyed his time in Green Bay these past couple of years. You know, like as much as you say he he has and whatever, it's like there was some animosity going on there. He didn't want to be around for the voluntary stuff, you know. So I do just think like to some degree, he's probably even more open than he has been to like really diving in with these guys, you know, not that he probably held anything against his teammates as opposed to like coaches and, and staff. But to me, like the fact that there's no barrier there for him to just be uncomfortable and at least, you know, as things are good now, um, I think is a huge thing. Look, people, and this is out, out across sports, it's everybody in, in life, they love to feel appreciated. And I think when Aaron Rodgers saw them draft Jordan Love in the first round of what was it, the 2019-2020 NFL draft, he was like, look, I've still got a lot left in the tank, yeah. and you guys are already planning my getaway. Like, you're planning the next era. And for a franchise in Green Bay that had Brett Favre before him and Bart Sartre, that like historic quarterbacks that have played through Green Bay – that lack of appreciation where they go in and Woody Johnson and Robert Sala and Joe Douglas fly out to California. And they're like, look, dude, we fucking need you. You are going to come here and be, as, you are going to be legitimately OC. the biggest name for us in the last probably 50 years. Like that sign of appreciation yeah. goes a long way. And he's reciprocating that by being here in these, you know, OTAs and, and getting the team in shape and poised for a Super Bowl run here uh, this next season. God, that got me yeah. fired up. Fuck yeah. Love it. The only other things from the press conference that I thought were interesting. Um, at one point he said, you know, I want to be, these were his exact words. I want to be around for at least some of the beginning things. So <laughs> that's a pretty funny quote to me. Um, their, their OTA practices. I'm looking at the schedule were the 22nd yesterday and today, the 24th, 25th. And then um, they have three, the beginning of June, May 31st through June 2nd, and then three more June 5th through June 8th. To me, that is kind of telling me he's not going to stick around for all of those, <laughs> um, yeah. which I think is which fine. Is fine. Um, but it was just fine. pretty funny to me, like that everyone's like, Aaron Rodgers is at OTAs. And then he, like the way he dropped that, at like, least I'm here some for of some the, of the things, beginning things. I think I thought was funny. <laughs> That's good. That's um, good. The other thing, just real quick, we don't have to talk about it forever. Um, and I think it's something we've known. But it was just interesting hearing him talk. He was talking about Robert Sala and he was saying how he he really enjoys the freedom of expression um, that Robert Sala allows his players. And basically just, you know, while being a coach and, and holding people accountable, he's not like strict and he's not like overseeing the way that people are acting and he's letting people kind of act how they would act, you know, in their everyday lives which I think is very awesome. It's not something we haven't heard before um, about Sala, the fact that he just lets players be themselves. Um, but I do like love to hear it. And it does also just kind of like, there's so many people in this Jets organization who seem to like really like the Jets and really like all the stuff that's going down that it like really bums me out with this whole like Makai Becton or like Elijah Moore shit where these guys right. are just like pushing against the grain you know, and, and, and again, like maybe they have their reasons, but it's just like, God damn, like I would just love everyone to buy in. Um, it's kind of like Elijah Moore complaining after a win, you know, it was like, we did just gotten the biggest win in our franchise history in six years. And that's when you're going to complain. It's like Makai Becton. It's like, we are at a moment where it's like, we might be going out and winning a Super Bowl, or at least that's what we're trying to do. And you're mad that you're, you're not going to get to play your position. It's like, bro, don't you want to start? Like, don't you want to be out there? So just it's just part like, of it. Ugh, yeah. yeah. Frustrating is all. Hell. Look, some but people, some people like I, 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 I'm not sure if it was Boston with the boys that said this before, but they were like, you'd be amazed how many people in the league don't enjoy playing football. Oh yeah. They're, they're in that situation because they're really fucking good at it. And they know they can make a lot of money doing it. So that's maybe sometimes where you get those guys that kind of fall into play there. Yeah, I do also think it, it kind of lines up. It's like the guys who complain the most are kind of the guys who like aren't panning out, you know, yep. and it's like whether that is the coach's fault or not, for some reason, they don't believe in you the way that that other people do. Um, but with that being said, Denzel means comeback tour. Let's see what happens. Jesus, that was a uh, no. ricochet. That was a random one to throw in there at the end. But hey, I'm all well, about everyone's always. The fact that like Denzel Mims has just like lasted, you know, like through yeah. all this, like 
like basically did the same thing Elijah Moore did, but then, you know, didn't get traded anywhere because there wasn't um, any he didn't have the value. value. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, it's just funny. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully everybody else is buying in there. It's, it's an exciting time. And I'll keep saying that as we sit here. It, it's a fun time. Yeah. Fun drama. Yeah. The drama. It's like a reality show these days. Goddamn jets. Oh, all right. Well, that'll wrap us up for today. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Chasing 69. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore Chasing 69. Same as the YouTube. Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I am at Spring Blake. We'll be back next week, probably taking a week break after that. But then after that, we'll be back as well. And we'll continue on through this uh, slow news season. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace.